Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 8718, and 88. Positively different radio right across Australia. You are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning. And an amazing morning it is. We have some really exciting stuff coming up in today's show. We sure do. We have an interview with Kent Kingston. Yes. Who is also going to be popping in tomorrow to help us host because you're going away. We have a free stuff giveaway. Don't don't say it like that. (laughs) We'll miss you. We'll miss you, kind of. Uh, We have the quiz. Which Lyle, of course, knew straight away, or almost straight away this time. No, I got it wrong, mm, kind of. Yeah, you kind of got head. it wrong. I got it wrong in my head. I didn't give the answer. And you're probably wondering why we you, why we know that Lyle got it wrong, and it's because you're listening to the delayed broadcast. Yeah, that's We've right. We've already done the show, and you're, you're tuning in late. But do you know what? You could tune in on time. Absolutely. And the way that you do that is by getting the TuneIn app on your device, whether it's your phone or whether it's your iPad or tablet or whatever it might be, just get the TuneIn app. It's a way better way to listen to Faith FM right there. And it's free to download. And uh, all you need to do is search for Faith FM Australia and you can listen to us anywhere on the planet. And if you don't have any more space for that app on your phone, I know that many people have that problem, you can actually just jump on the faithfm.com.au website and you could listen to the live stream. Either way, you'll be joining the live show where you can actually join in with us. You can interact. You can be a recipient of some of the prizes and freebies. You can call on, call in with um, a question of the day. Okay. Give us a hard time and Or give us a good time Either way Give Lyle a hard time Give me an easy time (laughs) Yeah 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 No 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 Doesn't work like that But we have some great songs Coming up right now And uh, and after that We'll be doing um, Some some of our positive news segment I've got some interesting stories Lyle for you About a religion That might be going extinct Were it not for the digital age Well there you go Can't wait to hear it Right now We have Melissa Otto This is not who you are Wonderful song from Melissa Otto We often give away her CD Stay tuned Maybe you could get one Just let me be you. 
That was Melissa Otto. This is not who you are here on Faith FM. And Monica, what have we got coming up today for the quiz? Let's have a quiz question. Yes. Okay. The quiz question today is a, it is a what am I question again. Okie doke. And before I do the cue I just want to say, Lyle, I am sick of you knowing all the answers like before I even finish the clue sometimes. So please, if someone out there has a really difficult question or obscure Bible question that they think they can stump Lyle with, give me a call 1-800-FAITH-FM or text it through 0491-064-669. And if you can stump Lyle, I'm going to send you two prizes. Two prizes. <laughs> okay. But you only get one prize if you get today's What Am I quiz correct. Okay. So the first clue is Paul says in the last days, people will be lovers of this. There you go. Mm-hmm. What will Paul, what will people be lovers of? You can even uh, jump on our Facebook and tell us on our Facebook, Faith of Him of uh, Australia, or you can go on our lovers website. Of, lovers of this more than lovers of God. Mm-hmm. Faithfm.com.au if you want to send us an email or that number again, 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us 0491-064-669 if you think you know the answer. We will send you... What are we going to send them today? Let me have a look at my little prize stash in front of me. We're going to... Do you know what? We just mentioned Melissa Otto. Let's send them a Melissa Otto Blue Sky CD. Wonderful album. I think the song that we just listened to is on this album. I think it was, yeah. And a uh, beautiful song right there. So, fantastic. Very good. All right. You know the uh, answer. Send us a message and we will get a prize coming your way. Okay. So, you had some story about um, technology and people groups and... Yes. Uh, what was that all about? I'm actually going to need your help to tell this one a little bit because I'm actually not sure I'm going to pronounce it correctly, Lyle. So, there is an ancient religion, Zoroastrian? Zoroastrian. Zoroastrian. Okay, so there's there's a religion called Zoroastrian, and they're basically dying out. Um, For example, at the this time in Australia, and at the last census, the 2016 census, there was only three thousand of them, which actually didn't even register on the census. So that's here in we have three thousand Zoroastrians living here in Australia. That's that's actually more than I expected. I thought that most nearly all Zoroastrians were living in uh, Iran. Yeah, well, well, I mean, they didn't even register on the on the census. That's how small the number is. But there is apparently. Do you know anything about the religion? A little bit. Yeah. So apparently, it um it was the official religion of Persia which is his birthplace for more than a millennium. But um, they do have some serious concerns about their future. I, I, I mean, personally, I think the issue might be they don't really like accepting um, converts. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically like, can you breed a bigger church as opposed to can you convert people into your numbers? Yes, but human population is growing. So doesn't that mean that this religion should be growing as well just by birth, if not by any well, other Well, because, because they but, are... But wait, wait, wait. So I can't, I can't go and become a Zoroastrian? You can, but it's frowned upon. And as right. Some of them still won't do it. They won't accept you. Not that I would because I I love Jesus. Amen. But um, so these these group of believers are essentially dwindling. Like they're, going, they're expecting to become extinct. There's about 200,000 Zoroastrians worldwide. The majority are actually in India. There's about 60,000 really? of them. Yes. Yeah, so they came to India about 200 years ago. 
And there's one lady in India who took it upon herself to try and do something about the dwindling numbers, and she started um, online dating. For Zoroastrians. For Zoroastrians exclusively. And she said it's just taking off. She's already had 55 marriages from her efforts. She says she doesn't really call herself a a matchmaker per se. She she says she's a housewife who's involved with some social causes. Wink, wink, not much. Um, (laughs) That's that's code word for matchmaker right there. I've never heard it. <laughs> I love a good housewife. I think, I think she's just having too much fun right here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's a pretty good success rate, 55 marriages. How long has she been r- running for? Uh, I think she's only been doing it for, uh, I think it was six years. She said she's done it. Oh, no, maybe maybe a bit less. But um, but it is a small population group that she's working with. Yeah, very small population group. And it's she doesn't have really even a website per se. She just put the word out kind of thing. And she says that, like... On a daily basis, she gets about three or four young people who send her um, their bio data, you know, their age, you know, their career, what they're looking for, mm-hmm. and um, and she has this like long list of people, and uh, and if she so thinks this is what done match, by email or something, yeah, yeah, exactly, and um, it's all word of mouth. And and then she like you know if she thinks you you know if she thinks that you and someone will match up, she'll send you the you know the exchange details. Um, I just I'm a little bit astounded by this because it seems to be very labor intensive. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I'm good on her for doing something about you know what she sees as being a problem. But I'm just like, you know, do they have to marry each other? Is it such a big deal for them to marry outside the religion? Yeah, and that's a really good question because um, this is one that's actually addressed in the Bible, where the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, he says, "Be you not unequally yoked." Together, which is old English, which we don't really understand today. Yeah, but is that something to do with like you have to like your eggs the same way? Like, yeah, kind of a little bit more than that. So, uh, a yoke. Let's start there and mm-hmm. explain what a yoke is. A yoke was a wooden thing uh, that connected two bullocks essentially together. Okay. Um, or, or possibly two horses, but usually two bullocks. It would connect two bullocks together so that when they're when you're towing your plow, you can tow a two bullock plow rather than a one bullock plow because you've got two of them. And because they are tied together with this large piece of wood, um, they can pull together. And so what Paul is saying here is that when you're getting married, when you're making a partnership, and of course, what he talks about, you know, it includes more than just marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, so business partnership, whatever it might be. Don't be unequally yoked. In other words, don't go and marry somebody who, you know, if you're a Christian, don't go and marry a pagan and so forth within the culture of, of his day because you're going to be pulling two different directions. And this is some of the best advice and most practical advice that you will find anywhere in the Bible. And it's something that I have seen cause just untold amounts of pain when people who are unequally yoked religiously uh, get together and then, of course, they start pulling different directions. And, you know, people so often they come to me like, oh, yes, but, you know, this person is a different religion from me, but he's way more Christian than I am or she's just, you know, such a, a, a righteous and a lovely person. You know, how could we not make this work? Mm. And then they come to me another 10 years down the track and and um, to, to, to give you an example, um, a family who... Um, you know, where one was the, the the husband was Roman Catholic and the uh, and the mother was um, a Protestant Christian, and 
you know, the kids have come along and the father wants his children to go along to their first confession, mm. where they do their first confession to a priest and, you know, all this kind of thing. And the mother is just like, no, that's terrible. You know, the Bible says we have only one mediator between God and man, and that's, the, that's, that's Jesus Christ. They can't go to any human being. I don't, want, I don't want, you know, my children going and telling a priest about the sins that they've been committing. I want them to go to God. I want them to tell those things to Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, particularly when we've got so much in the media these days about, you know, interaction between children and priests and so forth that uh, has ended up very, very negatively with, you know, sexual abuse, all this kind of stuff, you would be a little bit nervous about yeah, sending your kids along to their first confession. You know, what's this priest going to ask them? Mm. You know, because the what what's said there in the confessional box, you know, it's it's stays in the confessional box. You, you, it stays in the confessional box. And you as a parent have no right to find out, you know, what was said or what wasn't said. And so I can understand her perspective because I'm Protestant as well, and so I'm looking at her Protestant perspective and saying, yeah, I wouldn't want my kids going along to their first confession. But then on the other hand, you know, the husband is looking at it as like, well, this is salvational. My kids' salvation is at stake. Mm. And so both of them equally sincere, both of them equally, um, you know, good Christians in their in their own faith traditions, so to speak, uh, but pulling very, very different directions. And how do you solve that? Yeah, that's a huge dilemma. What, what do you tell the parents? Yeah. Do you know what? I was just wondering if any of our listeners are in a unequally yoked relationship and want to want to chime in on this, we'd love to hear yeah, from absolutely. you. absolutely. Um, or even if you're in a happily equally yoked relationship and you want to give us some advice about how great it is to you know follow God's advice. I guess if it's in the Bible, if God thought it was important enough to advise us in the Bible to be equally yoked, then it must be important. I mean, I personally think that what you believe is who you are. So you, you need to, at baseline, believe the same thing. And then yeah. all the trimmings, you know, per character personality can have like differences and opposites attract from that kind of stuff. But I don't know that opposites necessarily work together well if they're a difference of belief. That's right. Absolutely. And I, and so from that perspective, I support what this lady is doing. Mm -hmm. um, she is connecting Zoroastrian believers with Zoroastrian believers. Uh, if I was running that, of course, I would um, seek to bring those people to Christ. Amen. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a way better solution right there. You know, you have Jesus on your side and have Jesus at the center of your relationship and there is nothing... Nothing greater than having Jesus at the center of your relationship to draw you closer to Christ. Amen. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, if you want to chime in about unequally yoked relationships or equally yoked relationships. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned after this song.
That was scripture, scripture lullabies right there on Faith FM. And Monica, what have we got coming up in the quiz? We got another another clue for us to yes, listen indeed. to. Yes, indeed. What am I? The first clue was Paul said in the last days people will be lovers of this. And the next clue is Judas threw this into the temple and then went and hanged himself. Oh. Mm-hmm. If you think now, that's interesting end- because you know if I'd have answered the question from the first one, uh-huh. I would have got it wrong. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> because I said lovers of this more than lovers of God. Yeah. Which is a different thing uh-huh. that Paul said that people would be lovers of in uh-huh. the last days. Uh-huh. I was wondering that you knew it because he actually said you know several different things about people loving more than yeah yeah. So I was I was wondering if you had it right, but if you think you know the answer and you might have oh for once someone could have gotten it right before Lyle did. But give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three or text us zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If you think you know the answer, we will send you the Blue Sky album. For from Melissa Otto. Yeah, you know, if I if I'd have if I'd have answered from the first clue, I would have got it wrong. If I'd have gone with my first impression from the first clue, uh-huh. I would have got it right. Okay, fine, whatever. So first impressions are <laughs> um, are always good. So just just go with your gut. Go with your first impression. I, you know, sometimes you overthink think things. Oh, overthinking is such a such an issue these days, in my opinion. Particularly with Bible trivia. Okay, so we've got some interesting uh, events taking place in the news. Of course, Rex Mm. Tillerson sacked by Donald Trump. Why? Sacked over Twitter. Twitter? Yes, by Twitter. Someone needs to take Twitter off. You can can take. It's like, how do you sack someone via Twitter? It's like, yeah, you're dumped. Whoa, 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 wait. He sacked him via Twitter, not because of something that happened on Twitter. Well, this 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 is what is going around in the rumor mill anyway. Oh, it's so unprofessional, especially from someone at that that high up. But these are major uh, um, positions that have been yeah. changed on a fairly regular basis, right here. I mean, is he is Trump actually able to keep any staff? It sort of it, it does make it wonder that way, and without you know getting into the whole political side of you know Trump versus whoever else might be in that particular spot, there we have seen a massive turnover of staff, and I saw a news bulletin recently, and once again I'm like, well, is this one real or not? But uh, where they have a the, the 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 staff in the White House have just scheduled a leaving party every day, every, oh my, because goodness. they have such a rotating door. Under the Trump administration. Now, do you know what? But, like, but the, you know, obviously, obviously, those would be a lot of minor staff. This is major. Yeah, ma- this is you know, Secretary of State. This is yeah. not, not the kind of thing you do on a whim. Now, I I have to admit, like, and I've spoken to Americans because I, I recently was in the states for a couple of months, and um, and whilst it is is unsettling um, for the rest of us, you know, we think to ourselves, oh my goodness. It can't be. It's like major red flags, alarm bells that that many staff are leaving or being fired. But at the same time, a lot of people seem to think that it's like a draining the swamp kind of exercise. They think like he's like weeding out all the all the bad guys, and he's going to put like good staff in and blah 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 blah. But what I really want to know is like if the staff are staying there for such short periods of time, are they actually going to have any influence or any effectiveness? Yeah, well, I don't know about you, Monica, but I find that. When you start a new job, it takes a while to really get into the swing of that job and mm. to understand how it works and to figure it out and to become effective at that job. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like in this administration, people are just getting to the point where like, yeah, I can become effective here and suddenly they're out the door and somebody else has to learn that role from scratch. Yeah, you know, we, we have it here in Australia, of course, as well. You know, we, we recently lost Barnaby Joyce. and Yeah, 
But I mean, it, it does it does kind of beg to ask if these if these staff members aren't having an effect, like their jobs aren't properly being done because they're being switched out so quickly. Like, does Donald Trump really care if he has staff or not? It's interesting. The reason that he gave for sacking uh, Rex Tillerson, of course, was that they disagreed oh. on certain issues. Now, in my mind, the role of staff is to disagree with you. Yeah, he's just wants yes men. You know, if, if, if everybody's going to agree with what you say, then you don't actually need staff. You can do it all yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's dangerous. That sounds real dangerous, what you just said. <laughs> okay, so which, which leads me down an interesting path here of speculation. And mm-hmm. I'm going to speculate for a moment. Go on, go uh, on. Because I love history. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you study history and you study uh, particularly history of great empires that have existed in the past – and you think of something, for instance, like the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Well, the Roman Empire grew out of the Roman Republic. So a Republican form of government is government by the people for the people, which is what you have in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a great system that they had in ancient Rome, but it only lasted so long, uh, from uh, 509 to 27 BC. And then it became the Roman Empire. And, of course, that was really triggered by Julius Caesar, who came along. And in a period where... Republican Rome was feeling unsettled politically and a little bit uncertain of itself. It had grown and become the most powerful nation on earth. Uh, and But at the same time, you know, there was, there was a lot of cracks that were beginning to show and people were starting to think, well, you know, is the Roman Republic st- still as great as it always has been? And so Julius Caesar comes along. He's a great hero. He's a great warrior. Um, he's probably the most effective warrior that imperial that, that Republican Rome has has ever seen, and basically proclaims himself as dictator for life. Now he doesn't do away with the government, um, but he mains, maintains veto power over the Senate. Okay. And then he gains control of who he elects to the Senate, mm-hmm. or who is placed on the Senate. Mm-hmm. and then has those same people that he places on the Senate who are obviously, um, you know, looking to him for their jobs. They get their, they got their job from him. Uh, they, he then gives them his bills, his laws, to vote through the Senate. This is beginning to sound scary, control-freaky, Hitler-y, communist-y, kind of dictator-y kind of stuff. Is that – so to the difference between – a republic and an empire. So, a republic, you still have like government that the people vote for. An empire, you, you have, have an like emperor. you have one dude at the top with his like golden scepter, like dishing out the rules and the and yeah. the consequences. And of course, Imperial Rome lasted from uh, about twenty seven BC to four twenty seven AD, and really came into power after. Uh, Julius Caesar, because Julius Caesar was assassinated Mm -hmm. on the Senate floor Mm -hmm. by Republicans who were like, no, we want to maintain our Republican form of government, uh, government by the people, for the people, which was really an aristocracy, but that's another story. It wasn't wasn't as Republican as, as many countries are these days. But when Octavian, of course, came to power and proclaimed himself uh, Caesar Augustus Mm -hmm. or the August Caesar, uh, that really was the end of the Republic, and from there on it was ruled by the Caesars. For how long? Oh, many years, uh, from 27 BC to 427 AD, so about 450 years. So it did last a long time, and it was very, very powerful. But what it shows is this, history repeats itself. So you honestly think that it's possible that America could go back to being an empire? I mean, we have to admit, they never did cotton on with the metric system, so maybe it's... The interesting thing, okay, so here's what's, here's what's fascinating about the Roman Empire. 
While the power moved from the Senate to the Emperor, the Senate never disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so right through that period, they were paying lip service to the fact, yeah, we're a Republican form of government. Actually, no, they weren't. They were being run and operated as an empire. Okay. And what's interesting about Bible prophecy is if you go to Revelation chapter 13, there is a prophecy that talks about the United States and gives you two very, very clear identifying characteristics. Uh, speaking about the first beast, the Antichrist, in verse 10, it says, He that leads into captivity will go into captivity. He that kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience of the saints. And so the Bible talks about a time when the Vatican would receive a deadly wound. That took place in 1798. It goes on, it says, And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. So at, at the time that one is receiving a deadly wound, another is rising to power. Of course, the United States was becoming a power, uh, a, a nation right around this time. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. Now, a lamb in the Bible is a symbol of Jesus Christ. But who is the dragon a symbol of? Is it the devil? Yeah. If you go to chapter 12, the Bible says it's the devil. But more specifically, because the de- we don't see the devil walking around here on the streets of Newcastle, do we? No. No, He works. Satan works through nations here on this earth. Isn't that so? Mm. And I'm not implying anything here in relationship to Trump, but I am implying things in relationship to the United States. Okay. Okay. So um, the devil works through nations on earth. And if you go back to chapter 12, the Bible says... Um, that the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Well, that was imperial Rome. And so the Bible says that America will speak like imperial Rome. It will pattern itself after imperial Rome. If you think America could become an empire again, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, and we can have a chat about that. Ooh, could be scary. Savior God to thee 
how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it back to Faith FM Australia. You're here with Lyle and Mon, and we have a special guest on today. I'm super excited to be talking to this fella. Ken Kingston, welcome in. How you doing, Monica and Lyle? Great to be with you. Good to have you on the show, Ken. Now, Ken, do people often Excellent. think that you're Jamaican because of your surname? Because every time I say your name, I'll be like, Ken Kingston. It hasn't been an issue, I have to say. <laughs> you are the only me. one. You are the only one whose brain works this okay, way, Mom. Fine, I'm the quirky one. I get it. I get it. <laughs> if, if it look, if it, if only, I, I do quite enjoy reggae. Um, so <laughs> it, 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 it would be a great compliment if somebody thought, yeah, you know, I was really from Jamaica. But um, no, just a never had that mix up. Ink, yeah, just a, another English name. They were colonised, you know, my ancestors were English. And <laughs> that's as simple as it is. Yeah, now, and, you, and you've never been to uh, Jamaica and travelled to the city that's named after your family, I guess? 
I, I haven't, no. I have been to uh, Kingston Southeast in South Australia and Kingston on the Murray in South Australia. I've been to Kingston in South New Zealand. Um, yeah, there are a few of them around. Oh, you haven't been to Kingston in Tasmania. There's the best of them all. Oh, there come on. <laughs> and I bet you took lots of selfies in all these Kingston towns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been to Kingston in Tasmania, but I have been to the, the park um, in Hobart where my ancestors, my Kingston ancestors are listed. Um, he, he was a convict who came over on the Third Fleet. He married the daughter of a First Fleeter. Mm. Um, and then they moved from Norfolk Island to Tasmania um, when the, one, a supply ship ran aground in Norfolk. Everyone was starving, so they thought they'd better move to Tassie. So, yes, I do have a bit of family history in Tassie, Lyle. So there, there you go. go. There you go. I was going to ask lane. you where you're from, but I think you just covered that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, yep. he's, from, he's from convict heritage. That's good yeah. Aussie heritage. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good Aussie yeah. stuff. Ken, I'm actually super excited That's to be right. talking to you because I, I love talking to people who, who work you know, in ministry for the Lord but not, not in the way that people would usually think of um, someone who ministers. People usually think of like pastors and preachers and evangelists. And, uh, and I think yeah. people sometimes have hang-ups like, oh, how could I ever work from the Lord when I don't have those skills? But then there really is such a wide range of things that you can do for the Lord. And I love the way that you've used your talents. Um, can you tell us a little bit, just give a, maybe like a back, a back um, track about what you've done with your talents for the Lord and where you are now? Sure. Well, look, when I was in high school, you know, finishing high school, I, I was in the same position that a lot of people are at that stage of life and just basically had no idea what I wanted to do, you know, with my life, what I wanted to do after high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was a little bit academic when it came to, you know, history and English and, and that sort of thing. So I knew it was, wasn't going to be sciences or anything like that. It was going to be you know, something in the humanities sort of general area. Mm-hmm. And and at that age, I guess um, people tend to be very idealistic. And I thought, well, you know, the, the thing, what's the most important thing to do in the world? You know, where's, where's the biggest need? And what I basically decided at that point was, yeah, well, there are poor people out there. They, they need help. So m- maybe I should learn how to help them. And maybe the best way to do that is to be a social worker. So straight after high school, I, I was a social worker mm-hmm. and I, I worked in that field for around a decade, you know, family counseling, working with youth, ended up in probation and parole, um, you know, helping people, you know, coming through the criminal justice system, worked a lot with uh, um, Aboriginal people in Adelaide and in far north Queensland in remote communities up there. Um, and it, look, I learned so much and, and it was incredible but through that time I had this creative bug that kept biting I mean I I would write for um, Signs of the Times magazine you know which our church produces I would write for Record magazine which our church produces I was quite interested in meeting other people who were involved in filmmaking and radio and uh, all sorts of different um, Christian media ministries and basically in the end I came to a realization that, hey, you know, God created me with these interests and, mm. and these talents for for a reason, uh, and maybe I should just, you know, follow that, uh, you know, a little more closely than I had been, because um, you know what, it's I I can be a really annoying person because. <laughs> I will just be driving in a car with people and I'll look across the street and I'll look at a sign and go, oh, look, there's no apostrophe in that sign. <laughs> or, 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 yes, this yeah, is something I'll, I have just, never done, Kent. Oh, no, I, I'm in the done. same boat as you, Ken. I have a texture in it, my bag that I correct people's graffiti, so I know exactly what oh, you mean. I know. It's it's terrible. And Are I, you I serious? Just, 
I cannot turn it off. I'll, I'll, I'll be walking through an office or something, and I'll just glance at someone's computer screen. I have is what it's about, but right in the middle of all the text, a spelling mistake would jump out at me, and I'll just put my finger. I even fix that and just keep walking. So. Um, you know, that is a really, really annoying thing um, for everyone around you and for yourself unless you actually go into magazine or book editing, in which case it's an incredibly invaluable task. Mm. So, yeah, I, I decided, well, I'm going to follow this creative bug. So I went to Avondale College in New South Wales Central Coast, and not, not far from your studio there, mm-hmm. and uh, studied communication. Um, I focused on broadcast media, but it was really the writing side of things that did really grab me. So script writing for television, um, and now, yeah, I'm doing magazine editing and, yeah. And a so, bit you're, of, you're a, bit of that, a so. writer for the Lord. So, you really find that the pen is mightier than the sword in your position, eh? Yeah, yeah. Well, well that's right. Well, oh, is it the pen or, the, or is it the keypad? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, <laughs> the pen's pretty outdated these days. <laughs> Actually, there's just one more story that I, I wanted to tell you. Yeah, go on. When I, finished, when I finished my communication degree, I thought, look, okay, I've now got these skills. I've built some networks. Um, you know, I could, and I had this opportunity to possibly come and work at Adventist Media, mm-hmm. uh, where I am now in the, in Sydney. Um, but I also had this other thing that I was interested in and continue to be interested in, and that's you know people from other languages and other cultures mm. and trying to express you know Christian faith into those cultures. Mm. You know, how do you explain the story of Jesus to someone from a Buddhist background or a Hindu background or a Muslim background? That sort of stuff has always really fascinated me. So I was at a bit of a crossroads. At at that point, as you often are, you know, mm. at the end of doing a degree. And I, I did a lot of praying. I said, God, you know, which direction, you know, do I go? Um, and suddenly this this thought popped into my head out of nowhere, so it seemed. It just said, Ezekiel's call. And I thought, what? Ezekiel's call? I thought, oh, that's probably in the Bible. I, I should check it out. So I had a look in, in the Old Testament, and I flipped through, found the book of Ezekiel, um, and I saw a little subheading there, Ezekiel's call, and I was sort of, my eyes were sort of skimming over the, over the page. And then they hit right on Ezekiel 3, verse 5, and it said, You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, but to the people of Israel, which was Ezekiel's own people. Um, not to many peoples of obscure speech and strange language, that's reinforced, it says it again, whose words you cannot understand. So... And for me, this was a really clear direction from God that God had put that thought in my mind, you know, Ezekiel's call. Uh-huh. I'd gone to the Bible, I'd flipped it open to, to that section, found that section, and these verses had just jumped out of out, out at me, telling me that, you know, I was not being sent to a people of, of strange speech or strange tongue, mm-hmm. you know, different language, but I was being sent to my own people. Um, so... It, because of that, I felt really confirmed and affirmed, you know, by God in coming to Adventist Media to continue, you know, speaking to Australian people, um, you know, in our culture, in our language, um, in the, you know, sort of crazy ways that we like to mangle our English. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and to work in Christian media, in, yeah, for Australians. And since then, you've worked uh, for The Record, which is the official magazine for the South Pacific Division of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You've also worked on Hope Channel, which is you know, um, the Seventh-day Adventist uh, television station hosting various uh, shows and you, you've done a whole swag of things and um, which is really quite heartening, you know, to know that if there's creative people out there and I, I feel creative people often struggle with their talents and with their calling to know that there's actually so many ways that they can use their creative talent for God. 
but you yeah, are actually yeah. oh. now starting a new chapter from what I've heard um, with a delightful little magazine that I've known since I was a little girl called Signs of the Times. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. So you've known Signs of the Times since you were a little girl. Ken, how long has Signs of the Times yeah, been around for? give us the history of signs and like, the purpose <laughs> of it and like what exactly is it for our listeners who've never heard of signs. Well, look, this is a this is going to take a history lesson for you guys because, <laughs> um, but basically, when the first uh, Adventist missionaries got off the boat in Melbourne, um, they'd they'd come from the US. Mm-hmm. Um, the year was eighteen eighty six. This is a you know a long time ago. Sure, eighteen eighty six. Some yeah, Seventh Day Adventists got off the boat in Melbourne. Said, hey, we've got this. You know, we've got this message that God has given our church. We want to spread this, you know, over all the world. Um, and now we're coming to Australia to spread that. One of the people on that boat was a printer, and uh, they they had this vision of using the media in a way that it had been working quite successfully in the U.S. And they said we need to do the same thing here. So yeah, they began to print, you know, almost immediately. Uh, a little, uh, a little tract um, or a little magazine um, called you know, Signs of the Times. Um, so yeah, 1886. And in fact, that that magazine, which has continued from that day to this, is I'd say probably the second um, longest running periodical in Australia that is wow. the, the only one I, I can find that's older is the Salvation Army's War Cry. They basically have two or three years on us. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. It is one of Australia's oldest continuously published um, magazines. And what, what do they publish in this magazine? Like what's, the, what's the purpose well, of this magazine? Well, I, I think the, the hint is, is in the, the title, you know, Signs of the Times. Um, basically, the, the purpose of it from the very beginning was to look at the world around us, see the changes that are happening, and then to compare those with the Bible, because the Bible has a lot of prophetic um, predictions of things, are going to, of things that are going to happen as the world sort of comes to its end, basically, which sounds a little bit scary. And um, and to tell you the truth, I've struggled a little bit in thinking about this theme. You know, how can we say that, you know, like, like Faith FM, you know, positively different? How can we be positive and be people of hope and have this message that the world is ending? You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. sort of seems a, a little bit contradictory. It does, but, yeah. Um, yeah, one one thing, and I don't think I have a complete answer for that yet. Um, you know, maybe you guys have some ideas, but but one thing I do know is that if my house, for example, was was you know beginning to be on fire and the smoke alarm went off in the middle of the night, um, I'd be incredibly grateful for that smoke alarm, and I would consider that mm. yes, a, a positive thing, a warning that um, that something's happening that I need to do something about and need to be ready for. So I mm. guess in that sense, it is um, yeah, yeah, it is being, good. Yeah, smoke alarm is a very positive thing when there's a fire. Mm. Yeah, and also you could you know yeah. you have to think about it in uh, in relation to the end of times. Um, you know, the smoke alarm would not only be warning you to get out of a, a burning house, but it would also be heralding the start of something much much better. If you think of the fact that heaven is just around the corner, really. So that's well, also that's a positive right, spin on right. it, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, yeah. I guess that's the uh, the we're, we're taking that illustration a little bit further. You know, mm-hmm. it could be heralding, okay, but this place is going to burn down, but there's going to be a mansion that's going to be built yeah, here. Yeah, you're going to get a great and, insurance payout. Yeah. <laughs> you have a much nicer house afterwards. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and I guess, you know, as church people, sometimes we've probably made the mistake of saying, oh, look, let's not worry about the world. Let's not worry about its problems. We'll just watch them and we'll just be happy that Jesus is coming soon. I, I think that's probably an inadequate response from church people. We, we need to realize that the things that are happening in the world are causing suffering and, mm. you know, causing difficulty out there. And we need to be, you know, demonstrating the love of Jesus in and your, how we respond. Your background in social and, work. And how we help those people. Yeah, well, that's right. So would have that, highlighted that this for out, you. I guess. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, in the we, last we need to uh, practically, yeah. in the last minute and a half, Kent, just tell us, give us a quick sneak peek about what's coming up in the March issue of Science, and also like maybe how listeners can get hold of it or even use it because it is a great outreach yeah, tool, sure. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, look, Science of the Times is aimed at a general readership, so it's not aimed at people who already have a lot of biblical knowledge and, you know, went to Sunday school or Sabbath school, you know, for years and years as, as children. Um, so, yeah, we, we like to make it readable and interesting and relevant to people's everyday lives. So, yeah, in, in the March edition of Signs, um, we, we look at this incredible organisation that's working in the, the war zones um, in Iraq. Uh, that's a great article called Love Anyway. We look at a thing that a lot of parents worry about, um, the amount of time kids spend looking at screens. Mm. <laughs> so we, we look at that. Um, we, we also, because we're approaching the Easter season, we've got a couple of articles that focus on that. So we look at the um, sort of crossover between Jewish Passover and Christian Easter and, and why, why, how those things are connected and how understanding more about Passover helps deepen our understanding of, of Easter. Um, and look, there's much more, you know, health, lifestyle, um, understanding the Bible better, um, all, all that sort of thing. Yeah, all there in the March edition of Signs. Uh, if you go to our website, which is signsofthetimes.org.au, you can read some of those articles. Um, but other articles are there for subscribers only. But to subscribe, it's only like 26 bucks for a whole year's worth That's of magazines. That's so cheap. Which is 11 magazines. So, yeah, I mean, you do the maths on that. It's, what, $2 or something, um, $2 and a bit um, for a, per magazine for, for a whole year's worth. So, yeah, signsofthetimes.org. Well, thank you very much, Kent. I really appreciate uh, you calling in and joining us today on The Breakfast Show, and we'll be right back after this break. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove. Savior lives because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know, yes, I know. Pride and joy he gives 